If I haven't met you before, my name is Grant. I'm one of the teaching pastors here at Christ the King. And uh, I am just um, honored and thrilled to be with you today. And we're going to see what God has to say to us. This series, Inside Out, is really about the virtues. The stuff that we're supposed to have going on on the inside that hopefully we're going to work out to the outside of our lives so that the inside lines up with the outside. I mean, I think that's one of the greatest challenges in the Christian life. Last week we talked about honesty. This week we're going to talk about loyalty. Next week we're going to talk about humility. And I'm going to give you an update next week with where we're at with the, the worship pastor search and all of those things that are going on. Kind of give you a summer update. So if you're going to be here next week, hopefully we'll give you some information. But let's start with loyalty. And we're going to start with a little test, okay? I'm going to say two words. And I just want you to respond verbally with your preference. So I'm just going to give you two things. I'm going to give you a choice. Whichever one you prefer, I want you to say it out loud. And it will not be weird if everybody does it. If nobody does it, it'll be weird. Okay, so I'm going to give you a choice here. Ready? Here we go. Mac or PC? I agree with half of you. I'm not going to tell you which half though, okay? Starbucks or Woods? I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole, okay? Chicken or beef? You do know that that makes all of you murderers according to PETA, just in case you were wondering, okay? All right? Regardless of your choice, all right? NIV or ESV? All of those of you who said, what is he talking about? <laughs> Welcome to Christ the King. We love you. That's awesome. Okay, let's try one more. Eric Clapton or Lady Gaga? <laughs> Some of you just lost your salvation. Okay, all right. Let's do one more. Republican or... No, oh, no, we're not... <laughs> I'm not going there because some of you would change seats. I know you would. I'm not sitting here, all right? Okay. We all have loyalties built into our lives, okay? We develop loyalties to products and people, and, and they're formed by our preferences. Let me list a few types of loyalty because I think it's important that we all kind of get on the same page. Let's talk about blind loyalty for a second, okay? If you're a Seattle Mariners fan, <laughs> you are guilty of blind loyalty, whether you're in denial or not, okay? If you're a Chicago Cubs fan, we offer free counseling for you after every single service, okay? You know, some of us are just blindly loyal. We attach ourselves to something, and it doesn't matter how bad it gets. We are loyal to the core. We joke about blind loyalty, but sometimes blind loyalty is tragic. When I was a young boy, I remember turning on the television one night, and I saw images of what happened in Jonestown, Guyana. Some of you remember that? That was a tragic case of blind loyalty when people followed their loyalties beyond the point of reason or even common sense. That's blind loyalty. Let's talk about bandwagon loyalty. A couple of years ago in the Major League Baseball playoffs, all of a sudden, it seemed like everybody in the United States became a Boston Red Sox fan. Okay? They were not a Boston Red Sox fan because they liked the Boston Red Sox. It was because they hated the Yankees, right? I mean, that was what they were a part of. And so they just attached themselves. I saw Mariners fans exchange. All of a sudden, they're wearing Boston hats, Boston shirts, waving red pennants. I'm just like, woo-hoo, I'm a Red Sox fan. I'm like, no, you're not. You're a liar. You're just jumping on the bandwagon. You're just following the crowd because everybody seemed to be going in that particular direction. Let's talk about another kind. How about grudgingly compliant loyalty? I saw a picture of this the other day at a store in town, which will remain nameless. I'm watching one of these guys do a food demo, you know, where they're trying to sell you a product and they're just like, you know, you got to buy this thing. It slices, it dices, it changes the oil in your car. I mean, they're doing all these kinds of things. But this particular guy was different. I mean, you could tell he did not want to be there. 
I mean, he's got an apron on. He's wearing a Britney Spears microphone. I mean, just, you know, and he's talking. Basically, it's kind of like this. Yeah, this is a great product. You should buy one. It works, like, most of the time. I mean, it's just, (laughs) the only thing he's loyal to is the paycheck. He didn't give a rip about the blender. I mean, seriously. He was just kind of being grudgingly compliant. Let's talk about one more. How about genuine loyalty? Your program actually points you to 2 Samuel 14. I want to make sure you make a change there. It's 1 Samuel 14. I want to send you to the wrong part of the Bible. But there's an amazing example of genuine loyalty. Okay, Jonathan is the son of the king of Israel. And one day, he just decides out of the blue to go pick a fight with the Philistines, who are the Israelites' arch enemy. So in the middle of the night, he wakes up a guy who's known as his armor bearer and says, we're going to go fight with the Philistines. Now I want you to think about this guy's job description for a second, okay? He's an armor bearer, which means this. It's his job to carry the armor of the warrior into the battle. But when the battle starts, his job is to give the armor away to the guy who's actually going to fight. Okay, you just think about that for a second, okay? Come on, 10 o'clock. Just think about it just for a second, okay? You go into a battle, and when the fighting starts, you give away the protection to somebody else. That's insane. Why would you do that? Why would you sign up for that? I was thinking about those kinds of questions the other day. I'm driving into Bellingham, and I see a sign that asks a question. Why did kamikaze pilots wear helmets? Why would you go into a battle and then give away the protection that you're carrying with you? It doesn't make any sense. The only reason you would do that is if you were incredibly loyal to the warrior who was fighting on your behalf and you knew in the bottom of your gut he was going to protect you. That would be the only reason you would do that. So Jonathan wakes up his armor bearer in the middle of the night, shakes him awake, says, we're going to go pick a fight with the Philistines. And the armor bearer says, okay. That's loyalty. Or insanity. It's a very fine line, okay? I mean, he just, and they go, the story's amazing. You've got to read it. The two of them show up, and this is, their, this is the idea of their battle. Jonathan says to the armor bearer, this is what we're going to do. We're going to climb up the cliff. So that means the Philistines are on the top of a hill. We're going to climb up a cliff and let them see us coming. And when they see us coming, if they say, Let's have a fight. That's going to be the sign that we're supposed to take them all on by ourselves, no matter how many of them there are. I mean, if I was the armor bearer, I'm like, dude, there could be a couple hundred up there. They're at the top of the hill. You know what the armor bearer says? The armor says this. Now, this is loyalty. He says, do all that you have in mind. Go ahead. I am with you, heart and soul. That's loyalty. The Bible has so much to say about loyalty. So let's take a look at it together. If you want to fill in your outline as you're following along, if you're a note taker, this would be a great time. Grab that pencil and kind of walk along with me. What does the Bible have to say about loyalty? Well, number one, it says loyalty doesn't waver. Proverbs 17, 17 says this, a friend loves at all times. It doesn't say when it's convenient. It says a friend loves at all times. A brother is born for adversity. That means loyalty stays the course. It stands the test of time. It's unconditional in nature, and it's in the relationship for the long haul. Loyalty says, I'll stand with you when it's good and when it's bad. I hope we can agree on this today. In our modern culture, 
we are not very good at loyalty because we live our lives this way. I'll be loyal to you until. Until you do something that really ticks me off, and then I'm going to go find another tree. Until you do something that bothers me, then I'm going to go find something else. I'm going to be loyal to the church until you do something that just isn't right up my alley, and then I'm going to go find somewhere else to hang out. What that's done is it's created a culture where we live with so many things that are disposable. Disposable contacts, disposable coffee cups, disposable relationships. They're good. I'm loyal to it until something happens, and then I'm going to waver, and I'm going to go do whatever I want to. Secondly, loyalty is what you do, not what you say. You know, you can say you're loyal all you want to, but if it's not acted out in reality, what you say doesn't mean anything. You can say you're loyal to your wedding vows, but if you're flirting in a chat room on the internet or having an affair on the side, you can say you're loyal all you want to. The bottom line is you're not. Loyalty goes so much more than what we say. It's what we do. It's who we are. Thirdly, loyalty is a willing decision. Psalm 78, verse 8, it talks about how Israel had this long generation, or long history of generations, who decided they didn't want to be loyal to God. And if you read Psalm 78, it describes in vivid detail how their disloyalty cost them dearly. At some point, we've got to make a willing decision about which team we're going to be loyal to. And God has called us to do that. Number four, we find that loyalty is demanding. Exodus chapter 17. I'm throwing a ton of scripture at you. Hopefully you'll go back this week and find out whether or not I'm telling you the truth or not, okay? Exodus 17 is the story of how Aaron came and held up the arms of Moses as they fought against the Amalekites. It's an amazing story. Moses is standing up being loyal to God. He's overseeing this battle as the nation of Israel comes to rid the, the, the particular land of the Amalekites because they were an evil pagan nation. And Moses figures something out. As long as he keeps his hand in the air, the Israelites are winning. He drops his hands, the Amalekites start winning. So he makes a very brilliant deduction. I better keep my hands in the air. That works for about 10 minutes. And then his arms start getting tired. And pretty soon it's like, he's trying everything. Aaron and a group of men come around Moses, declare their loyalty to him, to their God, and to their nation, and they hold his arms up in the air. I'm sure that was a lot of fun for about three minutes. And then it became very, very demanding. I was asked recently to pray at a civic event. They said, we're going to have many, many people here from a very diverse set of backgrounds, so we would like you to be sensitive when you pray. And if you wouldn't mind incorporating a few other ideologies and philosophies we think that would go a long way in keeping everybody happy. You need to understand something. Loyalty to the name of Jesus demands that you be loyal to the name of Jesus. The Bible says that there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved, which means at this church, as far as we're concerned, there's one name. It's a beautiful name. It's the name that saved us, and it would be the name of Jesus. Straight up. But it's demanding because when you declare your name to go up alongside of that name, you know what happens? You become unpopular. Suddenly, you're not very politically correct. Thank you, Jesus, for that. All right? Number five, loyalty will involve sacrifice. Sometimes loyalty will cost you. 
to remain true and faithful through challenging times. It can be costly. I got to see this yesterday afternoon. I was with a very dear friend of mine as he was at the hospital with his mom. His mom's in the hospital. His mom has been loyal to him and their family for many, many years, and now they're just returning the favor. But I watched just right there. In very simple ways, they sacrificed their time, their schedule, everything that they had planned just to be there in that moment, to show their mom that they were being loyal to her because she'd been so unbelievably loyal to them over the years. Being loyal to Jesus around here may cost you business because some people just won't do business with Bible thumpers. That's just the bottom line. Being loyal to Jesus may cause you to be questioned or even disowned. I have a friend who lives in Quebec, Canada, who when he became a follower of Jesus Christ was declared dead by his own family. He went to his own funeral, complete with a casket, a eulogy, an obituary, and a graveside service. He sat in the back row of his own funeral because his family had said, if you follow Jesus, you're dead to us. That's sacrifice. And finally, loyalty to God will be rewarded. Psalm 84 says this, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tent of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Loyalty is a huge deal. And God calls us to it. Sometimes I think we get really, really twisted with this one. So I want to take a biblical understanding and I want to make sure we've got reality wrapped around it. I had a lady call me this past week with a question. After we were done our conversation, I asked permission. I said, I, I want to, would you take a huge risk? Could I share this conversation this weekend? Because I think so many of us get caught up not understanding what loyalty really is. She'd called because she said, I'm in a real dilemma. She goes, I've invited my son to live inside of my house. And I found out yesterday that he's both manufacturing and selling drugs out of my home. What should I do? I said, you call the police and have him arrested. That's what you do. And her response was a response that I think some of us at some level have become complicit with just a little bit. She said this, oh, I would do that, but he's family. Anybody else ever been there? Oh, I, I would do that, but, but no, I'm loyal to this family member. So essentially what she's saying is I'm going to condone and endorse his sin. Because my loyalty to him overrides my loyalty to God's character and God's standard. That, my friends, that response is a misguided loyalty. I want you to notice number six again and what it says. It says loyalty to God will be rewarded, not blind loyalty to people, even if they're family that you're enabling or keeping secrets for. That's where God draws the line. I'm going to sum it up this way, okay? We're never called to be loyal to anything that's contrary to God's character or standard. Never called to be loyal to anything else other than that. God's character and standards, that's the foundation of our loyalty. It's his perfect sinless character, his ongoing faithfulness upon which we base our loyalty. And any other allegiances, that's misguided. You know, I found if you're really going to tackle an issue, it's good to get the scoop from the source. So let's hear what God has to say about loyalty. In fact, we're going to hit the whole trinity in the next couple of minutes. Let's listen to what God the Father says on loyalty. Joshua 1 says this, God speaking, No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. 
as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. God says, I will not quit on you. I will not walk away from you. I'm going to be faithful and true. God says he will be loyal to us. Even when we're making decisions that go contrary to his will and his standard, God still remains faithful to our soul, even though he does not condone our sin. He is faithful and present and true. He said, I will never leave you. That word forsake in that particular verse, it means abandon. I'll never abandon you. God will never quit on us. He'll never renounce his love for us. That means when we walk through the deepest valley, he's there. Now let's understand something. Many of us have had moments, deep, dark moments in our lives when it felt like God was not there. When we cried out with everything that we had and what came back to us seemed to be divine silence. I think that's a part of all of our human experience. And to those of us who may have questioned God's presence in those moments, I would say this, never mistake silence for absence. Years ago, my, uh, when I, back when I was dating Laurel, we, we were going to school together in, on, on a campus, a college campus in the middle of Saskatchewan. And, and Laurel, one weekend, decided to go home and see her family. And on Sunday night, when it was time for her to return back to school again, she had to drive in the middle of a raging prairie blizzard. Snow, ice, wind, very, very difficult. So she loaded up her car. It was a 1970 Pontiac Acadian, which is the equivalent of a really cool Nova down here in the United States. Good car, right? She loaded up her stuff, and she headed back to school. Took her a long time to make the one-hour drive because of the conditions, navigating the snow and the ice. And, and the way you do it in Saskatchewan is when you're in the middle of a blizzard, cars tend to just kind of gather up together, and everybody just follows the taillights of the car in front of them and prays they don't have to slam on their brakes. Well, Laurel had noticed there was a whole bunch of cars behind her, a bunch of cars in front of her. And when she made the turn across the Trans-Canada Highway into the college thing, she noticed that the set of headlights right directly behind her actually pulled a U-turn and then started heading back the other direction. It was her dad. He followed her all the way back to school, then pulled a U-turn, and headed all the way back home again. He never said a word, but he was there. Because that's what dads do. You may have not heard him, but I can assure you, he was there. That's what the Father says about loyalty. What does Jesus say about loyalty? Matthew 28 says this, Jesus talking, therefore go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. God doesn't say I'm only with you Monday, Wednesday, and every other Friday. He says I'm with you continuously, perpetually. I'm going to be loyal to you as you carry out the great commission of telling others about Jesus Christ. We hit the Father, we hit the Son, we can't leave the Holy Spirit out. So the Holy Spirit says in, in Ephesians chapter 1, it's a description of what it is that the Holy Spirit actually do. And here's a description of the Holy Spirit on loyalty. The Bible says this, having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, 
who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. God basically says this. When Jesus left, his loyalty to us was so unbelievably pure and beautiful that he didn't just leave us on our own. Instead, he gave us the Holy Spirit who is a present abiding love in each one of our lives continuously. It says we were given a deposit that guarantees our spiritual inheritance. That is loyalty, especially considering that all of us at some point fail. I mean, did anybody anybody in the room pull off a perfect week last week? I mean, you didn't sin. You didn't think anything bad. You didn't do anything wrong. The Holy Spirit says, I have given you this inheritance. That takes a tremendous amount of loyalty. Well, if God says he's loyal to us, then it would make sense that at some point he would call to our loyalties as well. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. And I'm going to just lay out a passage of scripture that calls loyalty for each one of us. The Bible says this, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. For he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let's not give up. Meeting together, some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. These scriptures are just filled with words that, that, that are just paired up with loyalty in so many ways. Let's hold unswervingly to the hope. Let's be loyal to the hope that God has for us. Let's consider how we can spur one another on. Let's not give up. Let's be loyal to meeting together because it's unbelievably important. In these particular scriptures, the Bible calls us to be loyal to, number one, the person and the hope of Jesus. It means let's be loyal to the hope that we proclaim. I mean, I don't know about you, but my list of, of things in my life that I hold on to as a hope has gotten shorter over the last couple of years. My hope is no longer in the stock market. My hope is no longer in the value of my home in Whatcom County. Because those things move, they fluctuate, they go up and they, they go down. I mean, it's like being on a roller coaster. The only hope we have that we can attach ourselves to unswervingly is the hope that Jesus brings us. So let's be loyal to the one who is faithful to us. Let's not abandon or shift or waver. Let's be as loyal to Jesus as he's been to us. Matthew 6 says this. It says, you can't serve two masters because you'll end up hating one. You have to choose your team At some point, you can't have a divided loyalty. You've got to choose one to follow and obey. And I ask the question, who better to be loyal to than the one who gave himself to us as a ransom and provided his loyalty and proved his loyalty by sacrificing himself, by giving us his armor so that we could be saved. Secondly, we're called to be loyal to the body of believers. Okay, I'm going to get on a little soapbox here just for a second, all right? If you're new around here, this is a family. Now, that's a big dysfunctional family. We'll be the first one to say that to you. It's a big dysfunctional family, but it's a family, and that means this. We are brothers and sisters, and that means we're loyal to each other. That means this. Somebody takes a swing at one of us, they take a swing at all of us. Somebody tries to speak ill against one of us, they're speaking ill against all of us. And that's when our loyalty is supposed to come to the, the aid and the covering of each of our other's brothers and sisters. We're called to be loyal to each other because we are a family, because we're brothers and sisters. Not only has God called us to be loyal to each other in this little thing, 
God has also called us to be loyal to other brothers and sisters. So let me tell you how that works itself out practically. For every other church in Whatcom County that loves Jesus and preaches the Bible and attaches themselves to the cross, we love them. They're family. And this is how it works itself out. We don't talk smack about other aspects of the family. Ever. We don't do that. Because we want to be loyal to them so that we can be loyal to our... I mean, I had to laugh last week. So I met a whole bunch of new families for the first time. I've been gone for six weeks. Got back last week, and I just got to see a ton of people. And I met a new family from Oregon. I met a new family from Colorado. I met a new family from Southern California. And the, co- the, the, the family that came from Southern California, I just had to laugh. Because it was after the 1130 service. I'm just standing in the commons talking with them. And they kind of get this sheepish look on their face because they said, you know, we've been in Whatcom County for a couple weeks, and we're just kind of checking out churches. And, and last week, we kind of went to Cornwall. Like they'd done something wrong, you know? And I'm like, that's awesome. Pastor Bob is a close friend. I said, you could not go wrong with that family of believers. That's just another part of the family. That's awesome. I'm so excited. That's just good. That's really, really good. And they start laughing like there's some kind of an inside joke, right? And I'm like, okay, help me clue in. I don't understand what's so funny. And they said, well, we were at Cornwall last week. And we got to talk to Bob afterwards. And Bob said, look, if you're checking out churches, you really need to go and check out Christ the King. Because... (laughs) Because you need to go where God wants you to go, and it's just awesome, and Grant's going to be back soon. That's just an amazing part of the family. I mean, that's the way it's supposed to be. I mean, this guy gets this confused look on his face, and he's like, you guys make it really, really hard to pick a church around here, because you keep sending us to each other, right? Like, it's because we want you to go where God wants you to go. You know, I, it just drives me nuts when I hear people say, you know, hey, Grant, you know, how's it going to Christ the King? You know, we go to the competition. I love freaking those people out. My response is always, you go to the devil's church? <laughs> that's not competition. That's family. That's family. Now, here's my soapbox. I don't care what family you attach yourself to as long as they preach the Bible and worship Jesus. But once you're there and you're a part of that family, be loyal to the family. Stick, don't, don't just say you're loyal to it. Live out that you're loyal to it. Serve, worship, look after each other. Watch out for your brothers and sisters. Do something to actually be a part of it. You know what? Just don't be one of those people who just kind of floats and consumes. I want a little bit of this and a little bit of this and a little bit of this. And I'm going to be loyal to you until... Until you turn that music over 97 decibels and then I'm out of here. Just for the record, we will exfoliate the first 12 rows for free every single week. Just so you know, okay? I mean, it's just so unbelievable. We just kind of move around in every single direction. Scripture calls us to be loyal to a family. Let's live to that level. Let's not be just wavering back and forth. I'm going to stick with you as long as I like it kind of people. Because your family needs you when you get it right. And they get it right. And your family needs it when you get it wrong. And I don't know if you know this or not, but there, there will come a time when you're going to get it wrong. And you're going to need somebody to be loyal to you. 
My prayer is that you find that kind of loyalty here at Crossway. We're going to celebrate right now some of our brothers and sisters as they declare their loyalty to Jesus by publicly professing their faith in Jesus. So I'm going to ask those of you who are being baptized, you're going to head to Pastor Melanie over there at the exit sign. You're going to head that direction, and I'm going to wrap up here. The last little statement in your outline says this. Baptism is a declaration of loyalty to the one who died and rose again for our salvation. The people who are being baptized this morning are saying, I've picked my team. I've picked my team. I'm with Team Jesus. I am choosing to be loyal to Jesus because when I was still a sinner, he chose to be loyal to me by dying for me. So I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I am going to declare in front of my family and friends. I mean, just think about what these people are doing. Think about how they're going to explain this at work on Monday morning, right? You know, <laughs> you did what this weekend? I went to church. I showered in the morning. I went back to church. I got into a tank full of water with two people, two guys. I don't know, but maybe a guy and a girl. And they put me underneath of the water. And then they brought me back up out of the water, and a whole bunch of people in the room cheered. This doesn't make a lot of sense if you don't understand what it means. These are people, your brothers and sisters, declaring their loyalty to Jesus. Last night we saw a dad baptize five of his kids. It's awesome. Declaring their loyalty to Jesus. We baptized a guy last night, eight weeks ago. He didn't know Jesus at all. And God grabbed him and turned him upside down. And he was celebrating. The fact that God would pour out that much love. And he was just like, I'm team Jesus. I don't know what team you are. I'm team Jesus because he's been good to me. So we're going to have an opportunity to celebrate that together as a family. I don't know how you do it, where you come from. But when somebody here takes a radical step of obedience, we cheer and clap and worship and we celebrate because God has done so much good.